everyone and welcome back to the It's Good to Talk podcast. So today I have Anna with me. Um, this one is going to almost be a similar one to one I've done in the past, as I've said to Anna off screen, is that um, we had somebody on uh, a while ago called Anxiety, who's a Twitch streamer, who is a basically nicer version of what I am. Um, I think Anna probably lives up to that as well, which we're going to the same eventual destination with better mental health but we're going about it i think very different ways um even in the way we present which is um, something we just spoke about as well off screen so that's why that's why anna's here to talk about her journey in mental health so how are you doing good thanks for having me here all good always <laughs> always good yeah i mean there's um i've tried to actually as we we're just saying about asking about being organized, I actually try to get people set up in advance to do podcasts, but that goes back on me sometimes. So, um, <laughs> but you were very kind to um, come in a little bit last minute for one of them as well. So thank you very much. You were on the list. You just got bumped up it very quickly. Um, <laughs> but like I just said, obviously, um, I'm probably known most as um, a mental health streamer more than I'm a YouTuber, even though this channel is, I mean, this is a partner channel, but my mental health, channel is about half the size of yours for instance um and about a uh, 20th the size of this so it's a much smaller <laughs> channel so i'm known much more as a twitch streamer that does uh, mental health not a youtuber mm. you however are very much youtuber mental health um you've got involved in some awards i know you you um you actually sponsored two of the awards for the mental health awards that came out uh, recently mental One of them. One of them, sorry. Um, so I know that that was part of it and you get involved much more on that side of it. I don't think I really fit into that world. I think it'd be, I think it'd be almost impossible for anyone to give me an award because they'd just be scared. <laughs> I was, I would, I'd, be, I'd go up and go, fucking brilliant, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'm quite PC enough for that. Um, but I'm not in that world. I'm very much a kind of separate. I have been a, a monkey in a suit. Mm. So that's why it's always good to have different people in that take different approaches because obviously I'm not, the right thing for everyone uh, in the same way that you're not the right thing for everyone and there has to be a middle and I think it's important for people to realize that just because we don't necessarily go about it in the same way doesn't mean we disagree we may disagree on certain bits but not mm. necessarily the overall um the way, overall way of doing it it's more an aesthetic thing um I'm a grumpy yeah. ass Brit that swears and <laughs> you're you're a smiley happy kind of more PC American so it's very much on the other side of things um so what what is your kind of journey and story in mental health that kind of started before you brought yourself forward? Oh, goodness. Um, so do you want more of my story with like my going through my mental health journey and mental illness or like getting into? It is entirely up to you. We will progress into different things, I'm sure. Um, but many people that watch this um, will know uh, that I have no set questions. So we'll just see what happens. This is a chat. All right. And that's way for, for us to get onto it. <laughs> Feel free to pause me, though, at any moment if I'm not making sense, because I tend to jump around a lot when I try to tell stories. Oh, that'd be fine. I'm dyslexic. <laughs> that's what my mind does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess I'll start with um, I'll start with current, and then I'll like backtrack to how I got to where I am now. Um, I currently am diagnosed with major depressive disorder generalized anxiety disorder um and i'm hoping to this year get tested for adhd um that's been an interesting thing because i there's a lot less research on women 
oh, with ADHD. <laughs> and like it, it often kind of shows up differently. And I think I've been realizing whether it's ADHD or not, there are so many things that I've been masking my entire life. And this year has few years has just been an unraveling. And um, it's kind of like that analogy of when you have to clean a room and it gets messier before it gets all nice and organized and put in the right place. Like you're pulling things out and getting rid of some things and reorganizing. And I feel like that's the period of life I'm in right now. It's just getting worse before it gets better. Has to happen, yeah. <laughs> um, man, I don't know where to start. I guess, like, I know I've been masking things ever since I was a kid. It just became so automatic. And, um, like, I'm <laughs> kind of, like you said, the opposite aesthetic of I was, like, this good little kid, and I always wanted to do the right thing and be appropriate and not, not get yelled at. And <laughs> didn't want to get in trouble I was the kid okay this is really dorky but I was the kid who would literally punish myself before my parents could punish me um which I say lightly but honestly like it's stuff I'm trying to work through now with having just an extremely guilty conscience and I remember I watched one of your podcast episodes and you were talking about how sorry is banned from your stream should have tried to use it earlier you'd have seen Anyone, I think I was in my stream earlier. Um, yes. So the word sorry is and any variation of sorry, apologize, anything like that is completely banned in that if you write a sentence and the word sorry is in it, my mod settings on my Twitch stream will not let you post it. Because sorry, only, sorry is only needed. It's only ever put forward by someone who thinks they've done something wrong. When you're talking openly about your mental health, at no point is there judgment there for you to have said something that I think is you being in the wrong. And I've never asked you for the sorry. So if you've done something so heinous that it would be anywhere near a sorry, one, the sorry wouldn't be enough. And two, I'd have banned you already. Mm. All sorry actually does is tell you I've done something wrong. No, no, you haven't. You're just talking about your mental health. The amount of people that will say something and then try and apologize because they think they've done something wrong, because that's the way that society has told them. I've done something wrong. I must be sorry. And most of the time, it doesn't even matter. And your brain doesn't even really function onto what is going on. It just knows mm. I'm meant to be guilty now. No, yeah. that's not what I want. I want you to talk. It's the same reason as fine is, is banned as well. So the word fine is banned for similar reasons. So an automatic response to how are you or are you OK is. I'm fine. I didn't ask you to give me an answer that meant nothing. I asked you how you were. So I want you to actually explain and tell me. Now, you can either say, I'd rather not say. Cool. Because that's absolutely fine as well. Or you can tell me more. But just saying fine says more than it doesn't. And so that word is banned as well for similar reasons. It's an automated response. And that's the whole point of neurodivergence is automated doesn't really make sense. Yeah, I tend to freak people out in real life when they give that automatic response of fine. And I'm like, how are you really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I needed your stream earlier. I wish I had found you sooner because I need that trained out of me to stop saying sorry. Like, I'm very st stereotypically that person that's like, oh, sorry. Oh, don't say sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's the ultimate thing, isn't it? Don't say sorry. Well, <laughs> I'm saying sorry. What? Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm trying to work on that. Living a little less apologetically, mm. being more myself, or at least finding, being more aware of what I really need to apologize for or not. Because like I said, I am just very quick to think I'm in the wrong. I'm a perfectionist. I'm actually wearing a shirt right now that has perfection crossed out and it just says presence. Because <laughs> um, we should be bringing our presence instead of our perfection which doesn't even exist. Well, no, I mean, um, there's there's a story of um, a pretty well-known artist in America who, when they were learning to to paint, just didn't think they had it, did not think that they were good enough, um, couldn't find mm. their, their little spark of what would be theirs. And they went to their uh, teacher and said this, and their teacher said, I want you to copy the work of all of the greats, every single one of them, copy them. Mm. In that imperfection is you in the things that you have got from what your perspective of as being wrong is who you are and that is your style so in the imperfections in the things that we try and do what we get wrong isn't really what we get wrong it's just simply who we are when we put it against yeah. an impossibility of a social stand yeah that's a beautiful example of it so what do you think started your your masking because we're uh, so oh um it, this the problem is is that a lot of the the things and generally in, in mental health it's heavily anecdotal um because mm. we don't have the research especially for those um for, for those that are feminine we just don't have it um because it was always well boys are the only ones that have brains seemingly mm. that was the was the way of looking at it um it's i mean it's pretty much what freud thought i mean everyone puts together the um the Oedipus and Electra theorem, but of course, Oedipus and Electra theorem aren't from the same person. Freud came up with Oedipus. He didn't create a, a female one because he didn't think there was a purpose. So that's why we don't have a lot of these. Um, but it is generally thought, at least, that um, that uh, women tend to mask far more heavily than um, than boys and men do. Um, it's this the idea that um, boys are encouraged for being a certain type of emotional and things such as ADHD, uh, autism and things like that will potentially have um, a range of emotion that will take them to an aggressive stance if they're not giving what they need. And so that mm. is rewarded, whereas it's not in uh, women. And so that's why there's a different presence and a need for mirroring. So was there something or a start of this in your past where you just think, I think this is when I started mirroring um, and when I started masking, or is it just the case of like, you realized one day, wait, fuck, this isn't me. Mm. And it's really hard to answer. I surely it's been a progression, but I know it's a lot. It, it's, I've been working through that a lot more over like the past five or six years of realizing how much, um, like even just like, I used to consider myself like a closet nerd, like, cause I just, I, from a young age, I got made fun of and, um, for liking what boys like. And, um, like even in elementary school, I remember like, there's a group of guys and I wanted to, they were talking about Lord of the Rings and I really wanted to join in. They're like, Oh no, you're a girl. And then I just, and then girls would make fun of me for liking things like that. And, um, 
so I started hiding those parts of myself. Um, and man, I, I think part of it comes from just a genuine desire to be good, but then there's the other part of it that's, um, I'm just, I've always been a really sensitive person and I do not handle it very well when people get angry at me or, you know, especially as a little kid um, with like strict parents or even just in class when I would get in trouble for things. Um, like kind of an example of when I kind of uh, just frustrating being kind of like in a neurotypical world. I remember being in a setting as like elementary school or something age. Um, and a teacher called me out and asked me a question. And like, I just, I was trying so hard to listen with everything in me. And they just kind of scolded me for not listening. And it wasn't like I was one of the other kids that just wasn't even caring, not trying. And so I've just kind of grown up my whole life, just kind of feeling like I'm not good enough. Um, Cause no matter how hard I try, I just, I can't fit into those kinds of things. And I think that's the problem of neurotypical world. It's why I, I speak about it a lot is that sensitive, the idea of sensitivity or being mm. troublemaker and all of this is in reality, it's a nonsense. It just means that you're different from a standard that neurotypicals have set, in which neurotypicals don't even really live up to it, but they are they have the ability to at least act like they can. And neurodivergents either don't or don't want to or just physically can't. And so they're scolded for not being able to. They're scolded for this idea that you don't see things the same way as us therefore you're wrong even though a lot of the times you'll find that actually the way in which a neurodivergent person will do a certain task is exactly giving giving the same uh, result um, it's just done a completely different way many people when they go into for maths for instance I was constantly um, told off when I was around 11 because I would correct mm -hmm. my maths teacher every <laughs> single lesson and I always stated that was not me that was more on them for not getting it right all mm -hmm. I did point out that fact but of course neurotypicals wouldn't neurotypicals mm. would stay in line you're an 11 year old you can't do that you can't be right you can't know that and the teacher not you can't but of course that's bullshit and i and the thing that's still and i still have the argument with people now is there are facts and the facts are the facts i don't care about what something else says the fact mm. is that that is it there is no, this is, comment you made to me earlier, there is no, this is my truth. It's, no, that's an opinion that doesn't have the same sway. Now, I know we're in a world that wants it to be one way or the other and, and tries to make that argument. But it's why I don't necessarily make the best first impression with people, because if they make a comment that is factually incorrect as, oh, well, it's just my opinion. No, you're trying to change a fact, and that's not the same. And so I have the same issue of fitting in, but it's just that, because one, the way the, my size, the toxic masculinity that oozes out of me and everything else, I simply come across as an, 
complete twat. So people are just like, fine. Whereas for you, it's the other side of things and you've done a lot of mirroring and masking to fit in. And so people just then go, well, we'll push them aside because we can. And that's the problem is that you get pushed aside in one way or another. And the reality is we're all just trying to know how to maneuver around an impossible thing that you've created. We are square pegs trying to get into the circle, the, the circles that you've created, and we fucking can't. So just let us get in a, get in a different pile somewhere else because you're, we aren't the problem. You fuckers are. And I think it's starting to come to a head now where people like yourself, like me, like, you know, various different people, even, even people from our royal family in England have started to go, mm. no, fuck this this isn't right and it's it's shown when when the media tries to then push back against our royal family like when our royal family isn't exactly liked particularly but it's not something that the media would necessarily always go after for mental health issues but of course it doesn't fit mm. their their narrative so that's that's the problem I'm, I'm i'm again i'm making assumptions of your experience there but that's at least how i would have interacted with it and of course i know that people are going to um, immediately going to go oh yeah but Adam's now just talking over her, and is it, but that's also a neurodivergent trait. It doesn't mean that I'm trying to take the light. Away. And I, so this is something I relatively recently discovered myself because I knew that I did it. It's not that I'm trying to take the light away from someone else. It's that I need to relate it to try and understand it. And so mm-hmm. I immediately, and yeah. for many neurodivergents, I find the related part of my experience so that I can show a form of sympathy. But yeah. Of course, in anybody else's world, that doesn't mean that. <laughs> yeah, I've realized they do that a lot, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, please carry on in, in whatever you want to tell us or however you want to tell us. Just go for it. Um, I mean, it kind of just sparked in me, like, just, I, I mean, I already mentioned that this period of time for me has been kind of, and unmasking because my whole life I just thought that I was bad I just thought that I wasn't good enough that I was just a wimp and actually that's it's a big reason why it took me until like 2018 to finally seek help for my depression that I'd experienced my whole life um because I've also always been the person who like I help other people I counsel other people and I also like I have really great parents. I have my, I have older siblings that are like 10 and eight years older than me. So I grew up with, um, hung out with people older than me. Are they both brothers by any chance? Uh, no, sister and brother. Okay. Why? Because of your want to, um, reflect in certain ways of, of boys. I thought maybe that was. Mm. Okay. So that was another thing I thought of before. I, I think another reason why I feel like I got along better with guys is because there's something about them, even if they're kind of neurotypical, that I felt like I could unmask more around them because they're just like kind of goofy and just like don't take anything I say too seriously. But then it feels like, at least like in America, like among a lot of women, it just feels like there's like unspoken social rules um, more than there are with guys. And so I felt like I actually could like talk a lot more with guys and just like be silly and have fun. (laughs) I think it's probably a possibility also because, and again, 
cultural differences. Uh, Brit- Britain and America are two countries separated by the same language, so it's it's a, a problem anyway. But it could be because there is the, this idea that men don't either care or need to care. So if you talk mm. around them, it's just like, yeah, okay, fine, cool. Um, uh, you know, it's it's the, actually I um, had an article earlier that I that I put up. Um, about the Daily Mail, which is just a, a trash rag over here of a newspaper mm. um, that basically in July had a go at um, work, uh, working men, uh, you know, working class men, um, and had a go at them and called them woke because they were open to talking about their feelings and taking days off when they were unwell. Um, and so that kind of that kind of way of doing things is where the, this is. The, I, I genuinely believe this is where a lot of the woke thing came from. It's been stolen from what it was originally. I believe woke was actually created by the African American community to mm. um, to reflect on the issues that were happening for them, um, and it's just been taken as an insult because it's now anyone that doesn't fit society where you're woke. And it's like I'll oh, do fuck off. Um, and uh, a compliment as an insult. Yeah, and it's it's, and I think that obviously, I think when you were around boys and you found it easier, it's also because you probably found that boys had um, gender bullet armor. You know, we we have we have the automatic kind of plot armor of being boys. So mm-hmm. anything that's thrown at you as a, as a boy, you kind of go, yeah, but I'm a boy. You know, boys will be boys, and that bullshit. So I, hate that so much. I know, and so I'm I'm guessing. But potentially, the, you also found it easier because it's it doesn't matter if certain things affect you in different ways. Because if you're just one of the boys, then that's okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think another side of it is that then, whenever I would have like guy friends one on one, they felt like they couldn't open up to their guy friends about things for those kinds of reasons. But I. I tend to make people feel safe to like just a judgment free zone. And so they would come and finally like share things with me. Um, and it just oh, it makes me so mad, so mad that, like that these guys, they just, they feel like they can't talk about things. I mean, everybody, every gender experiences that, but it just seems to be even worse for men, at least in that kind of area. I think the, I think the problem is in the, not necessarily that it's worse, um but there's there's an acceptance of different um emotions for mm, different yeah. sex and it's the same way in which um for for women you get um the same kind of nonsense if you ever want to be um assertive well then suddenly you're you're bitchy and a bully and everything like that and it's they're doing stuff that wouldn't even be considered that assertive from a man but right. because it's a female that's doing it um well, no, you're being bitchy and everything else, because, of course, in the neurotypical world of um, days past, you're just meant to cry and be held by the man. And so I don't know if it's necessarily worse. I think there's just there's the the resultant, you know, issues with suicide and things, of course, does um, lean the other way towards uh, towards men because of the things that have been structured around it. But that I don't think it's necessarily that the. Um, the idea of talking about it is worse for men than women. I just think it's mm. it's completely differently affected, yeah. and you probably you'll probably find there's a lot of more um, successful women, and this is uh, you know it's come out in in sports recently actually that have far more issue because when they become more successful, then mm. 
no, they no longer have control over being able to be um, a certain way and uh, interact with a certain emotion because that's not what they're allowed to be anymore because now you're moving into you know, what, what men are like. And so that, that becomes problematic as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just think of like the one time like I still can't believe I was called a bitch once it's like I'm I'm a kind person like and I just it's just because I'm it's this is coming from a woman and you don't want to hear it because you're a man yeah that's that's the, that's the biggest that's the biggest problem and it's you know it's I I think it, it becomes that thing of where um you know a a society that's just wanted to it's found I, I actually think that the bigger issues that have started to happen within um you know men against women type things that you see a lot of times on things like tiktok and stuff has just been created by neurodivergent want and need for people to fight uh sorry neurotypical world uh, need for that because of course if that's happening then well you're you're kept in your place and it's it's you need to be this way and you need to be that way and so that's why, you know, you get the rate, the, the, the rise of um, misogynist twats like Andrew Tate, because, well, let's push him because he says things that we used to believe. And I'll put out that I don't think any man has ever, ever thought like that. I don't think men in the 1800s thought like that. If you actually ask them, um, unfortunately, that excuse for, a mm. you know, fucking boiled egg is uh, apparently the voice of the teenagers nowadays. So and you have things like that and you, you have it on both sides. It's pushed forward by that need for control, um, which a lot of people try and blame on capitalism, um, which it just isn't. It's neurotypical versus neurodivergent. That's the way I always say it, because the idea of it being capitalist coming from America, which by its very nature is not a capitalist society. It is a productivist society. If you look at capitalist societies, you will see things like Finland, Norway, Denmark, Netherlands. The all of those nations that are far more equal in gender, they're yeah. happier, they have better health, they have better education. Um, literally, the happiest nation on earth is Denmark and has always, in fact, for the past 30 years, been a northern European country who are mm. themselves capitalist because they actually start to try and break down those ideas of neurotypicals and neurodivergent. That's why they have some of the best research that comes out of places like the Netherlands. Mm. Um, so it's every time they do it, there's a, a switch of the argument to try and make it something else. And that's a problem. Sorry, I, I, you started a, you started your journey and then I've kind of just continually butted in. But, you know, oh, please... I don't know. I'm all over the place too and <laughs> <laughs> automated response but yeah please um obviously with those things and, and with that kind of discovery for yourself about potentially adhd and by the sounds of it also i'm gonna i'm gonna guess they'll test for um autism as well um i would i would wonder then why you wanted to move into mental health because mm -hmm. i think for a lot of people that start to go fuck, I have problems, don't necessarily want to help everyone else. Okay, there are people that do do that, but a lot of people would potentially just going to go, right, covers up, fuck this, just get away from me, I don't want to, I don't want to know anything. What made you lean into it? Well, um, my degree was actually in counselling. Um, I started off wanting to be an artist. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm a very like multi-passionate person and I started different interests and then I just, uh, like art is something that I really enjoy, but I felt like helping people is like more of a calling 
um, for lack of a better word of it. Um, and so, yeah, I originally planned on becoming a counselor. Um, there's a lot more requirements here in America than in the UK. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was originally going to become a counselor, but along the way, I I started a blog actually while I was still in college, what you would call university. Um, it was for like a writing and publication class, and I thought about starting a blog, um, but just hadn't yet because I was just so focused on school and but I needed to do it for the class and the nerd that I was I was talking to my professor like the summer before classes started and I he told me you need to start a blog so I started researching because I can't half-ass anything I like go all in or nothing um so I was researching like how to how to blog and um and so I started a blog and I found out that I really enjoyed that and I mean we were kind of talking about this before we started recording of how I'm a much better writer than speaker um it just helps me to get my thoughts out like on paper or on keyboard because it's just like a mess up here um but it helps me to like organize it and um and so I realized like I can help people through my writing and it doesn't suck all of my energy as it would to like have to sit down with clients and um, there's several reasons why I didn't continue pursuing counseling. But like one of them was because like, I just have such a small energy tank for like social interactions and speaking. And I was like, I'm, I'm only going to be able to have like a few clients at most per week. And that's not going to pay off the debt of getting a master's degree and <laughs> all the stuff that goes into that. Um, again, if I really felt like, that's what I need to do, then I would, I would do it even if it's only a few people and would be in debt for a while. But I just, I just decided to try to pursue it more. And, uh, after I graduated, I got married and thanks to my husband, I was able to just work a little part-time job. Um, so I still had time to work on my blog and try to work towards monetizing that. Um, I, it wasn't really like, mental health niche it was more like it started off being kind of like personal development which then like ends up including so much mental health related things and just who I am I'm just going to talk about that kind of stuff um and it was uh a couple years into that I started experiencing a lot of fatigue and a lot more depression and it finally came to a point where like I was coming home from work like little just working part-time hours would come home I would sit on my bed and just stare at the wall for hours like just having no energy to even like just change my clothes to go get something to eat I would just like stare there stare at the wall like just completely zoned out and um and then I started like I stopped having the energy to like keep up my blog after that. And it just, and that was like the thing that I really felt like I, I needed to do. Mm. Um, and like I said before, like my whole life, I've been the kind of person where I just kind of take care of things myself. It's like, Oh, I, like, I, like, I always kind of wished I had friends I could go to, but, um, whenever I would try in the past, like either people just wouldn't understand one friend, even, 
insulted me. Um, so just like a lot of bad, huh? That's called an ex friend. <laughs> um, and yeah, just experiences like that or people who were well-meaning and would try to help, but like, it just wasn't good advice. <laughs> and so like, I could just, I could just figure things out a lot better and I didn't really need anyone. So I wanted, I wanted friends I could go to. Um, but then it finally like came to a point where I realized like, I can't do this on my own e- anymore. Like I, I was just in such a dark place. Um I actually had started getting closer to a friend who um, probably one of my first friends that would talk about their own experiences with depression. So it was like finally someone who understood what it was like. And so them kind of sharing helped me to finally share. Um, Cause up until that point, like I don't like being vulnerable. Like I can't show weakness. Like I'm the person that people go to. I can't go to other people for help. Um and so it kind of started with that. I finally came to a place where I recognized, like, I need help. I think this is depression. Because um, I get, like, so – I just, like, kept telling myself, like, maybe I'm just lazy. Maybe I'm just weak. I'm just not good enough. I should just be able to try harder. Especially because, like, I experienced a lot of these things on a lower level. And, like, I always did good in school. I got good grades. I was even valedictorian. Like, I – was able to push back then but like I could just not push anymore and I think I really burnt myself out trying to you know work through the neurotypical way of school Mm -hmm. um and just having to work three times harder than everyone else to achieve what I achieved and I burnt myself out and um yeah so uh I think it was like in 2018 I finally saw a doctor and um she tried some like more natural things first, you know, like she helped, she was like more of a holistic kind of doctor and she helped me like look at like lifestyle things and all the things that might contribute to it, different supplements. But then when that didn't work, she prescribed an antidepressant for me. Um, I started counseling as well, uh, being in counseling. Um, And oh my gosh, like that medication, like once my body finally adjusted, like I have a very vivid memory of being in the car with my husband and like I just started crying because I was just so overwhelmed with like joy and like I forgot what happiness felt like. Like I swear the colors outside were like more vibrant Um, and it was just, I hadn't realized how bad it had gotten and how like like oh this is this is what this is supposed to feel like when you actually have some ups and not all just downs um and and even though that's like helped me a lot it helped me to not be as suicidal um I've in this past year just kind of been coming back down um like it's definitely not as bad as it was but um honestly like been in a bit of a rough place lately and then starting to look more into ADHD and see like, okay, well maybe like, what if all this is, I mean, it could be both, but like, what if this was just caused from masking all this time and actually just having ADHD? Cause that would cause anxiety because of the things that like the way my brain just blanks out. And then that like gives me social anxiety cause I don't want to embarrass myself. And, um, and then the depression and just like things that I want to be able to accomplish, but then just ever since, school my my attention is all over the place you know like with I think I was joking with you and and on Twitter messages about like the hyper focus but yeah 
it's just like I just go from either extreme where it's just like so hard to do the like basic things, um, which again could just come back to depression as well. But oh yeah, I mean, and and some <laughs> things overlap. That's why the, yeah. D, the um, DSM five and several other um, diagnostic books can you know be thrown into fires um, because they're, they're nonsense. Um, but I mean, obviously. I think people always forget as well when when masking or shielding or putting up a wall, whatever you want to call it. When when we do that, I think people forget is that when we talk about that, we don't mean there's one mask. We mean there's <laughs> thousands that have been. Oh my gosh! And most of them have been created in a hurry, and mm. that's the problem as well. Is that of course you can keep putting these masks on, but they've been created in a hurry. They're not thought out. They're just to protect you. But of course, you keep putting them on and on and on and on. It's like putting a house on sand. At some point, they crack, they break, and they fall. And so I think, you know, a lot of people have times, whether it's through depression, ADHD, autism, anxiety, whatever it might be, that they just collapse because, or they can see the collapse coming because they can feel the cracks happening. Mm. And there's so many masks. And I think that's what happens when we have um, breakdowns or, you know, um, burnouts or, or have you want to think about it is because we've not allowed ourselves to take off the 50 masks yeah. before. Yeah. And so it's not the case of, right, well, I've got to take these off so that I can put the new one on. It's the case of, right, the new one's on again. Then that one, then that mm. one, then that one. And eventually it just goes and you're gone. I disappeared from Twitch for six months, um, mm. seven months, maybe a little bit more. I went literally traveling the world. I spent time in the desert. looking. I was the most stereotypical fucking toxic white guy possible um, because I did all that kind of stuff. Um, I liked traveling already. and It just seemed the best way of just going, you know what? Done. Um, and I nearly didn't come back to Twitch. Um, and it's it's an interesting thing because I think people always forget, even people that mask themselves, I think forget the fact that they have more than one mask on. Um, and I, I think in reality, if we were all to take off all of our masks, we are crying little children in the corner of our own minds. And that's the problem because none of us take off all the masks. If we did, we'd see that and not want it to be there. And so that's why we start to continue and over and over and over again, and then it collapses. And that's that's the problem I think a lot of us face and that you're starting to face again here because it, it comes round and round. I mean, I've not, although I have planned out my own death, I have not physically tried since 2015. Um, and although I, I did have um, plans and very nearly um, went to complete them in 2020, um i haven't but i've had those times where it was all just going to break and it's very hard for people to interact with now of course one of the things you want to do and that you talked about there is working with other people for other people um and this is i said the analogy would come up and i think this is probably appropriate i always talk to talk about um this to people is that I think the idea of being selfish is the least selfish thing possible. And I always talk about the idea of turning on your light first. Um, and I always think you should turn on your light first, because if you don't turn on your light first, all that happens is bit by bit, yours just starts to dim more and more bit by bit. And then it goes down like that. But actually, what you need to do is raise it up. Because the more you raise yours, you're also raising somebody else's. The easiest way of thinking about it is if you're in a hallway, if you're in a house, say it's an old haunted house or whatever you want to think about, in a dark place, and there's two rooms on the first floor. Or 
the floor up from the ground floor because Americans think about this differently. So <laughs> you've got um, you've got two rooms and you're opposite ends of the hallway, and you hear a cry for help. Most people, including yourself and many people pleasers, will run to that person, will not think about it. They'll run to that person so they can turn the light on and they can solve the problem. The problem is, is that you haven't seen any of the um, notches in the wall. You haven't seen the dresser that's there. You haven't seen the carpet that's been curled up. So on your way there, you've fallen over. You've battered, bruised and cut yourself getting there. And then you've had to get up over and over again because you keep falling. And so by the time you get to them, it's far, far later than you would have got to them beforehand because you've been stopped by your own falls, your own breaks every time. You've got to them eventually and you've turned the light on. But by that time, it's been really long. They haven't been helped as quickly as they needed. And you're battered, bruised and cut. Now, in reality, if you actually turned on your light first in your room, you turned it on, it would spill out. The light would spill out into the hallway. Now, it may not give you a full view, but you would be able to see that dresser. You'd be able to see the nail sticking out of the wall. You'd be able to see that little bit of carpet that's um, dragged up. And you could walk to their room fast and get there in half the time, quarter of the time than you did before. This time you're not battered, you're not bruised, you're not cut. You've turned on their light and they're helped far quicker. So by turning on your light, you've made sure that you're okay. You aren't battered and bruised. And you've also made sure that they're okay as well because your light being on makes sure that theirs goes on quicker. Yours being bright makes sure that, makes sure that theirs is bright. The longer you leave yours off, the longer theirs is off, the longer that theirs doesn't get brighter. Now, so many people will go, yeah, but I, st- I do look after myself. And I'm going to guess that this is probably a response of yours. In the, but I do look after myself. I make sure to drink and, and eat at regular occasions. I'm doing okay. Like I'm, I'm drinking water and I'm, I'm eating lunch and, and dinner, so I'm fine. But the problem in that is that all you're actually doing in, in that is the equivalent of holding a candle. You've got a candle now going down. Yeah, you can see bits. Less, but you can just about see. But the candle has the same problem as many other things in that all it takes is one fall and you're back to square one. You can't see where you're going and you're battered and bruised again. So in reality, your selfishness, your need to look after yourself, that light that streams from your room is far better to be done by you first than to people please. Because people please diverts energy from who you are and it means that you are not helped and neither is that person on time. But of course, neurotypical world tells you you should help others first, but it makes no sense to do so. That's why I was saying about people pleasing is a nonsense. It does not work unless the person that is pleasing others is themselves okay. Yeah. And I think it's like only in recent years that I've become aware of how much I was like doing that, like pushing through to try to help other people first, because I I was just used to suffering and like, just like, you know, this was just my level of like, oh, like, oh, people don't feel this way on a daily basis. And um, so I just thought that was normal. So I didn't realize like that I was like down here when I felt like I was up here and but like compared to other people um oh it's hard yeah i mean the obvious the obvious way of of getting through to some people as well when to explain how they how you can help every everyone and yourself is let's say 
it's your grandma. And you're the only grandchild that ever goes and meets them now. You're the only one she's got. What happens when you've broken yourself so much and driven yourself to suicide that you're gone? Who helps them now? There's no one left because you didn't make sure of yourself first. By destroying yourself, you've done the same to them. So if you want to please others, the best way of doing it is by taking that time for them. Telling your friends, no, I can't come out tonight. Telling your work, you know what? It's not happening today. Telling those people that you made plans with months and months ago, I can't do it. And every time I see this, I feel bad for telling them this. I feel bad for that. No, there's no reason to feel bad. And if they want to have a go at you for it, well, that saved you some money next time you go on a trip because they're no longer needing to be your friends. The idea of rewarding their bad behavior because it is not Mm -hmm. yours. It's their bad behavior by having a go at you for it. Now, it depends on the friends and how they interact. You know, oh, God's sake, man. You, Oh, again? Oh, yeah, all right, fine. Well, you know, there's there's tone to these things that you can, of course, tell. But if it's kind of, yeah, oh, God, again, man. And then the next message is, don't worry, you're all right. Then you know who your friends are. If the message is constantly something else, then you know, well, you know, I don't need to go out for drinks with them next time. You know, I'm going to Zoom call with someone else and save some money. And that's the difference. It's making sure of you and how you work, because without that, it doesn't help anybody else. But the problem is, like you say, is it takes a long time for many people to even realize that they're different. And probably did for me as well. I mean, I I've been doing martial arts since the age of four years old. So as I often say to people, the toxic masculinity oozes out of me because I have all those advantages. I am white male middle uh white cis male middle class from the southeast of england with i'm over six foot i can fight i I have all the advantages of toxic masculinity and of white male privilege i have all of the bad backgrounds and so of course it was harder for me to realize because i wasn't treated any differently but in fact i was treated the other way because well we'll look after you because of who you are where you're from I was homeless at 15, and when I explained this to someone um, a couple of years ago, their first response was, but you're civilised, because that's the way the mind wants to go. And so it's very difficult for people to sometimes see that they, like you say, that they are different, because they're given the advantage the other way. It's why I always have issue when people have a go at those that are rich and famous, by saying, well, what, what have you got to be worried about? Well, actually, mm. they probably thought they were a piece of shit when they were poor and nobody And now they're wondering why they still feel they're a piece of shit now. And it's probably even worse for them. So, yeah. Um, But, yeah, that's my that's my opinion on people pleasing that I was telling you earlier. I very much dislike it because it does nothing but attack the person trying to please others. And then because it gives you a small bit of of serotonin, you reward it by helping that person again rather than doing anything else. If we all did the idea of people pleasing every time we would all go against aviation um, requirements because the first thing they tell you when you go on a plane mm. in the, in if we need the oxygen, put it on yourself first before you put it on the person next to you. But what about people pleasers? Because that automatically goes against it. So, yeah, it's like I said, with, with this, for a lot of it, it's, I think we have the same want and need for a result in a journey to mental health, but I'm just not nice about it. (laughs) And that's why I described it similar to being like anxiety, because I think the 
the same message overall is probably there, but it's just not delivered the same way. I've watched some of your um some of your videos, of course, on on YouTube. Um, details will be below as well, by the, by the way, guys. Um, and I'm gonna um, Heroes Quest. If you're watching this, by the way, I you know for my charity, I'd kind of quite like some donations of those. Um, but the all, the card, all the card games um, uh, that you've just brought out, <laughs> Heroes Quest as well. Um, but um, but yeah, so I think you're much uh, you're much nicer about how you do it. Like for instance. I feel like if somebody came and had a go in your comment section, you would either ignore or you'd probably say sorry because of um, wanting to make them feel that they were right in having a go at you. It depends on who it is. Whereas my immediate thing is to tell them to go fuck themselves. And I think that usually people end up apologizing to me (laughs) because I'm kind of them. Like, someone did that to me and I was like, Hey, are you okay? And they're like, I'm sorry. I'm just having a bad day. <laughs> and then he disappeared. I think it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's like I say, it's that, it's that very different approach. Um, it happens a lot on Twitch. So um, for instance, you usually find on a lot of Twitch streams, um, not from the, the ones that can actually do their job, but a lot of mental health people that if somebody comes in and trolling and attacking the stream, that the stream will freak out rightfully because that's what they've effectively been taught um, because someone's coming in and they're vulnerable. That doesn't happen in my streams mm-hmm. because they know my immediate response is to completely fucking attack the person that's just attacked them. And so you usually get from my stream is people going, oh, wait until up sees this. No. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're laughing. They're, it's like they're waiting for some kind of boxing match. It's it's very different because it's the way I approach it, because it's the way that reflects of how I've seen society. Um, because, you know, homelessness twice at 15 at 27, um, you know, my, my wife dying, it's my reflection and my outlook on life is not a nice one. So fuck them is my way of thinking about it. Um, and I think that's the problem in the way that neurotypicals and neurodivergents look at things as well, is that neurodivergents are far more likely to find their own way of doing it. And it's, and neurotypicals will defer to the way it's been done. But the problem is, is that for many neurodivergents, you get lost in that mist of what neuro, neurotypicals are thrown over you. And it's why a lot of people are coming onto your um, YouTube channel or they're coming onto my uh, stream and not knowing what to do because they've been thrown into that mist and they can't relate to anyone else. So when you went into, obviously you went into the, the more blogging sites and you went on to kind of helping people there, what then took you, because as you say, you your main thing isn't to talk you're you're more of a a writer what took you to then go onto youtube more frequently um you know whether it's um how to do blogs or you know review of heroes quest for instance you know what made you want to then do that um short answers i wanted to um (laughs) i at the time I was I was behind the scenes working on a coaching business I wanted to launch and I had followed someone who she talks about like personality marketing and like how with video it's the quickest way for people to like know and trust you um because you know you read a post and it's it's like, even if they have like a picture in their bio or something like it just feels so much more connective when you're just like you get to see them on your screen talking and, and see their face and, oh, yeah. <laughs> and like 
like, I don't know if you've ever watched someone that you've never talked to ever, but they feel like it feels like they're your friend and you know them. And <laughs> oh, it gets really weird when you then like meet them on screen. Like with so obvious <laughs> one, as we've talked about, call me Chris. You know, she's on my mm. phone for ages, and it's like, wait, you're there? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I started that also to kind of like push myself because I wanted to work on being better at doing the speaking. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It, it was so. So I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, right, I'm gonna word this. Did you then effectively try and start YouTube or do YouTube effectively so that you could help yourself do something else to be a more of a people pleaser? Um, and make money. And make money as well, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I... So a lot, of, a lot of it is underwritten. So then... To help people, which yeah. sometimes pleases them, sometimes slaps them in the face. Yes, it's no, good I'm, for them. It's, yes, and obviously, I think it's a difference between kindness and niceness. Yeah, see, we 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 had this discussion offline. I don't, I don't like kindness. I, I to me, again, kindness is uh, the same as anything else. Why do you hate me? Because <laughs> it, it's that that idea of having to be kind to everyone is is a is a shield that's put up on your difficulties. It's the same. It's the same nonsense that's put upon you for not not being able to argue with your family because they're family. Oh yeah, quite... it's like a trauma response. I'm so like intensely afraid of a man specifically ever getting angry at me that like it's like the fawn response from trauma. And it's it's the default. So that goes into something I've talked about before with people is that you are basically you're worried about your default emotion because I think especially neurotypicals I think have created this idea that a default emotion is that you're happy because that's what we're taught mm. it's like a default in a game default in a game looks a certain way sounds a certain way and i think everyone has been taught that a default your default emotion is um happiness and it may be that for you your default emotion is unhappiness or or it is fear and i think people that's i'm if anybody actually comments on this i'm that's the one that's going to get me um attacked because there's probably an assumption that people are making on it but in the same way that for me my default emotion, which I am afraid to a point to ever go into, is upset and anger. I know mm. what my defaults are. I will get angrier and I will get more upset. And, you know, just before I took my break from Twitch, for instance, I could hear in myself what my responses to people was. Now, luckily, because I have a very good community and, you know, the community, the ones that help people, it's not me. Um, they they could see it. They they knew when I just went. Okay, look, guys, I'm out for a while. Um, you know those same those same people have come back, and it's it was you know I was very open, and I think it's important for 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 us as um, mental health content creators to be open about our mental health and to just be like, look, I am fucked just as much as you guys. Um, I, I actually read something which I had to bite my tongue to not respond to on Twitter where someone said, why should people listen to mental health um, content creators who are suffering from mental health? Because if they can't figure themselves out, how does how are they going to help themselves? I'm sorry. Doctors never get sick. It's also the assumption that there's a cure. It's mm. the assumption that there's some big fucking pill you can take that, that means there's a cure. It's all better now. Yeah, exactly. And I, I bit my tongue on that one. I don't, I don't engage on things on Twitter. Um, but you know, this is, I think, this is for the best. 
Yeah. So I think there's the default Waste emotion. Yeah. I think there's the default emotion that I think you're probably afraid of. And so am I mm-hmm. in myself, although they're different default emotions. Because you don't want to be seen as weak. You don't want to be seen as something else. And I don't want to be seen mm. as the stereotype. Because that's mm. what happens. If I get angry, even in my words, well, now I'm the big, I'm the big angry guy. You know, that's, that's what it becomes. I have the baby face, but that's all that let, lets me do anything else. Otherwise, I'm just the big angry guy. And that's, that's the problem. You know, it's always the, the issue I had um, all through my, my wife's illness with my, with my university, for instance, because the, the lecturers just kept pushing buttons. And I'm there just going, mm. I am biting my tongue because I know the second I shout, you're going to try and that's going to be your way of getting me. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not being lured into your neurotypical way of controlling me. Go fuck yourselves. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you, you're kind of fighting off that. And that's the, that's the thing with, with my issue with um with kindness as well is that it's just a control mechanism that's used by certain parts of society and i always get annoyed and irritated by the idea of just be kind no i won't be because you've not given me a reason to be like smile it confuses people fucks me right off you know yeah so just punching them in the face it doesn't mean i'm gonna go around doing that like if you're going to give me that nonsense of like smiley confuses people, there's many things that confuse people. You know, there's, there's this, um, I think there's, there's a great line from Sheldon Cooper in Big Bang Theory. Um, that's, um, you ca- when somebody says to him, you catch more, um, flies with, um, honey than you do with vinegar. Mm. And his immediate response is, and you catch more than that with manure. What's your point? <laughs> and that's it. You know, it's, when when you're just taught, well, kindness is going to be the thing. No, because it's the same nonsense, because it ends up in, especially with certain generational things, when you have to be kind, then it becomes a, oh, well, you're just the way you are, aren't you? And then that, it, it ends a discussion because you had to be kind. You're not allowed to push back. You're not allowed to do anything else because you've got to be kind. You've got to respect your elders. Why? Because they've not died yet? That one fucks me right off. Because why am I? If you're if you have a toxic grandparent, if you have a toxic older person um, who has done nothing but being a racist, bigoted arsehole for their entire life, what respect my elders? No, go fuck yourself. I'm not respecting someone purely for the virtue that they haven't managed to die yet. That's not a reason to respect someone. It's not a reason for me to have to be kind to them. So I'm, this is why I, I always say about the, the monkey in a suit, because I am not on the kind side. I do not fit with the normal mental health stuff, because I always say, don't be kind. If somebody is respecting you, if someone is um, treating you like a human being, amazing. Treat them the same way, of course. But the problem is, is that that isn't, although we, so many people go, oh, treat people how you'd want to be treated. No. I'll treat people how they treat me. Simple. If someone punches me in the face, I'm not going to say thank you for knocking my teeth out. So why am I going to why am I going to treat them the way that I want to be treated? I'm going to treat them the way that they treat me. And if they treat me like a human being, I will respect that and I will be nice to that person because they've treated me in a nice way. Awesome. You've given me no reason to dislike you. If you treat me like a piece of shit, guess what? And that's my issue is that neuro typicals want you to be pushed down because they can put you into a box you can't push back neurotypical way of doing things is the way that they want it to be and that's it but if you're not kind that means you're pushing back well if you push back then they start to see that that pandora's box is opened 
and now no one's being kind anymore and oh no we're out of control and that's what i really dislike as much as many other things about it and I, my problem is that i always see the idea of kindness although there may be good intentions behind it is the leftover remnants of a neurotypical controlling someone with neurodivergence mm. and that's what i don't want i have seen too much shit in my relatively short life i guess just making myself younger with that statement i'm hoping but that that makes me not want to be that i've i've not got any reason to be necessarily nice to other people if they're not going to be to me i'm not going to be to them and it's as simple as that you know i was i've had people that have treated me in a certain way when i've deserved it cool they're fine i'm not interact with them because i've done something to be treated like shit so fine cool <laughs> But I've also had people that treated me that way when I didn't deserve it. And at that point, mm. fuck you. You know, if I'm in the wrong, great, cool, say it. But if I'm not, and you're just treating me like that because you think that's the way I am. My, mm. my biggest um, pet peeve is assumptions. They mm. see me, they hear me, they interact with me, and that's got to be the way that person is now. Because they act that, that way, because they sound that way, because I have a certain accent, you know, I, I speak relatively well spoken. And so that must be the way. When I first started on Twitch, one of the first things that people came in with over and over and over again was the word Tory, which is the, the Conservative Party in England. It was basically people having a go at me for being um, from a relatively well off family. Newsflash, not a fucking Tory, not a Conservative in any way, shape or form. In fact, was an elected politician who beat a conservative to that seat. So, but the problem is, is that there's, there's an assumption we can put you in a box there. Well, if you're going to be a dick, fuck off. Not, I don't care. That's my problem with kindness is kindness is used to control and fuck kindness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess the only thing I would add in there is for me, I just kind of, I try to sense if someone like if it's just going to be a waste of time trying to talk to them or if it's someone who I feel like is open to receiving harsh truth. Um, and because I've had situations where someone tries to address something in a like harsh way and nothing happens, they just it puts up their defenses. So they're not listening anymore. They're just going to be defensive. But I kind of like just like clip my way in with kindness and then now <laughs> they actually listen to me i uh, see what you've done there is you've diverted my my point in a new a very neuro um, typical way actually you were in my stream earlier you saw the change in how i interacted with someone at no point was i being necessarily specifically kind i was just talking to someone my voice can go down that was a kind voice that's the <laughs> my voice goes down Suddenly, if I'm talking like this, I'm interacting with someone, I'm trying to make sure that they feel that they're protected and they're in a safe place. That's not me being kind. That's me making sure that someone can talk. What I'm talking about is the idea that I have to be kind, that I have to reflect the kindness. And that's mm -hmm. different. Because if the same person had out of nowhere started attacking me, or actually more specifically, um, the people in the chat, my voice wouldn't have stayed down there at that, <laughs> that um, tone. It would have changed as it would have needed to. But because my tone changes and I can go, as you made a, a comment to me a while ago, that I, I can go from, um, from passionately kind of riotous to a calming tone. 
doesn't mean at any point I'm being kind. It just means I'm reflecting on what I need. But of course, what I'm doing is not changing to be kind. It's doing what a neurodivergent would do. It's mirroring the need. It's a mirroring. It's a trauma response. It's what I need to do to make sure that they're okay. But at no point am I necessarily being kind because kind isn't what I do. <laughs> and for me, like it almost like I hate the connotation that comes with this, but I feel like it's almost like I just learned how to manipulate people to get what I want or to, I mean, for their own good a lot of the times, but. <laughs> but, but again, that's, that's the problem with neurotypical ideal is because that's what it teaches. Mm. If you're changing to be something else, well, that's you then you're, Oh, that means you're manipulative. That means you're this, that, mm. that. And it also, I know it immediately because I've, I've noticed it's done it with you and it does it with most people is there's a want for many people, especially those um, that are neurodivergent because they've been treated a certain way, to want to be the nice person and to want to be kind. But why? Because I don't want to hurt anyone. Do you think I do? Yes. <laughs> but that, that's, well, I mean, in martial arts tournaments, maybe. Um, but that's, that's the, that's the thing is that there's, there's this weird thing that's created for a, new, a lot of neurodivergence because that's what's put on mm. them, that you have to be kind, you have to be nice, you have to stay in your lane, you have to be this. And then it becomes so indoctrinated that when someone like me, who does not see themselves in that way and does not interact in that way, comes along and says otherwise, the immediate response is to find a way in which I'm wrong. Because I am kind, I am lovely, I am nice. And it's not to say that you're not any of these things, but it's the need to be that becomes mm. the problem. Because why do you need to be? As I said before the camera go, uh, went on, and I've said before many times, as far as I'm concerned, I'm an arsehole. I'm very open about the fact. In fact, in other people's Twitch channels, I actually had, and I still have in some of them, an intro music. When I put my name in there, I had intro music, which was, um, I am aware that I am an asshole. But I don't care about any all of that, though. And my f thoughts is always that everyone is an arsehole. It's just whether you're my kind of arsehole or I'm your kind of arsehole. In the same way, from the words of Lethal, uh, not Lethal Weapon, sorry, of Die Hard 2. It's actually a, a comment from Die Hard 2 where he turns to one of them and says, I thought you were an arsehole. He's like, I am an arsehole. I'm your kind of arsehole. And that's how <laughs> I look at things. And I don't care about that. And that's that's the difference. It's just because I've just... I think I probably, when I was younger, thought the same thing, wanted to be the nice person, wanted to be kind, wanted to be everything else. But people made assumptions. I got hit by bullshit, as everyone does. And I just went, you know what? Fuck it. Don't care anymore. And that's just what changes it. But of course, the indoctrination is still there that you've got to be protective. You've got to be nice. You've got to be kind. You've got to want to be that. And that's why we get lovely, you know, rainbows and unicorns. And that's what perpetuates a lot of the need for kindness and so they get protected because you want to be kind you've got to be nice and well haven't we created this lovely nice person by doing the way that we do it as a neurotypical society and you're the outlier for being the arsehole <laughs> that's the way I, that's the way i see it and it's an immediate defensive response from so many people mainly people pleasers many people that come under that because there's a want to be kind and nice that never really is defendable. And even that that word that I used is one that 
uh, tends to offend people as well. The idea that you have to defend kindness. But I think you do. I don't think you should have to defend um, an emotional response such as anger or anything else because they're emotional responses. Kindness isn't an emotional response. Having to look after yourself, having to um, be nice as a response to something, maybe, but automatic kindness isn't an emotional response. <laughs> That's pretty automatic to me. It's automatic. I love, I love humans. But it's, it's, the, it's the automatic indoctrination. And again, as you admitted, you've continually wanted to fit in since you were younger. And that <laughs> want to fit in since you were younger has created the need to be that person that you are. Because, Don. Oh, no, you can finish. No, 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 go on, go on, please. Oh, I was going to say, do you know anything about the Enneagram? The Enneagram? I'm... It's a personality system. I I very much dislike all personality. Um... <gasps> you hate kindness. You hate personality. That's like literally all of me. Well, the, I mean, the personality, the personality stuff. I mean, we didn't really even move into that and, until after. Um, yeah, until after. <laughs> what's his fucking name? Oh my God, Carl Young. Young, until Jungian theory got fucked up by someone trying to figure out whether someone fitted into their family, and we got the Myers Briggs, which is completely flawed. And then the idea of personality tests and ideals came after that, generally because of business. And then we've thrown them back into psychology in the past thirty years. But that's kind of the problem. I mean, thirty years ago also gave us Rain Man, and that's completely flawed as a as a film. So, and that was also lauded as um, a great movement in mm-hmm. psychology. <laughs> things you can use tools for growth or you can use them to label people in harsh ways or to limit yourself or judge other people that's true i i, I often find that the idea of any personality test in itself is by definition a labeling system because otherwise you never need to take it because it automatically gives you that label. Whether you want it to or not, you are automatically of that label because you've got a result. So. <laughs> anyway, my point was going to be Go that, uh, so I, the personal, the Enneagram type that I am, one of their issues is anger. And I often mistype myself for the longest time because I'm like, I'm not an angry person. I'm I'm a nice person. And it was like several years ago that I finally realized how much anger I've actually have inside of myself is just like so repressed. I think in Enneagram terms they call it like reaction formation when like if I'm angry, I just instantly change it into something else, into like feeling something else. Um and like there's some other types that like repress it but i like i try to change it into something else if that makes sense um and just realizing that i just have this baseline of frustration all the time that i didn't realize was there because once again i was just like i was just used to that and it kind of reminds me of that are are you are you into marvel at all like um when the hulk when the hulk's like i think captain america is like trying to find out like how he um like controls the hulk and he's like my secret is that i'm always angry (laughs) and i feel like helpful around now if you got angry that's my secret cap i'm always (laughs) angry yeah um (laughs) for me it's like i've learned to control it on the outside because i'm just so used to being angry all the time and just i didn't i just did not realize it until recent years 
and the best way of defending yourself against it was to be something different which is mm-hmm. and that's kind of my point in general about the the kindness and want to be something else is that mm-hmm. actually what we need to do is push back against the idea of being kind but we're told not to because that's not right and that doesn't fit but in reality if we just went you know what go fuck yourselves now that's the reality of what needs to be done but we're told to be kind so even your interpretation of it using whatever methods you want to actually fits with mine it's just that your mind doesn't want it to you don't want it to deep down because that would mean that you're not this is going to sound patronizing as fuck it is not meant to it is meant to make a point it will mean that you're not a good the good girl that you thought you were as a child and that's the problem Oh, yeah, that's that's yeah. one of the thoughts I have in my head whenever I want to kill myself, honestly. It's because, like, I'm just, like, I've so many times just been sobbing to my husband, like, I'm a horrible person. It's one of the things I hear the most often is people that go, um, I'm a horrible person, I don't deserve to be here, all that. I, and I, I speak to people a lot that have that thought that don't, that then are, you know, that's that's the voice of their worst side. That's the, the voice of the demon that's inside their head. And I mean, the point I always make to them is that this will be screamed into almost every person I know that has neurodivergence has had thoughts at some point is of them attacking themselves. Um, of course, there is. It's not necessarily everyone, but of everyone that I anecdotally have interacted with um, has that demon that will scream at them so much. And then that person will start to believe it and start to say that I'm a, I'm a bad person. I'm this and that and the other. And the point I always make is that. If any of those comments, if any of the thoughts and feelings and anything else that is being screamed at you constantly was true, it would only ever need a whisper. Mm. It does not equate to being screamed at you to being true. If you were working in retail and some Karen came in to you and screamed at your face that you're a piece of shit, that you're this, you're that, you're the other, you wouldn't believe it. You'd believe the person that whispered it to you. So if that th- those thoughts were ever true, they do not need to scream, but they do because that's how it works mm-hmm. in your head. But that's the thing that we all interact with, and it's the thing we try and push back against. And like you say, is the the need to be something else because that's what's been pushed into you. It's the way you've been brought up. It's the way you've been taught and potentially even trained and indoctrinated in your, in your own counselling thing because, of course, the UK and the US have different ways of, of teaching it. I mean, most people actually um, would put the UK ahead of the US, including most psychologists I know, in terms of mental health, which always amuses me in terms of mm. the fact that you then have to train differently and harder to be recognised as counsellors, which is very strange to me. Um, most of the psychologists know want to do that, but that way in which even you've been taught will indoctrinate a way of doing things as well, because you have to have a professionalism. I've, I've, I will at some point, Ted, if Ted talks, if you ever want me on, I will make this point. I also don't like professionalism. I don't think professionalism should exist in terms of basically anything, especially not mental health, um, because I think it is exactly what the, the point that we've made several times here has been, is that professionalism is a way of, new, of treating whoever that is, whether it's someone with neurodivergence or not, they are treating you as if they are neurotypical and you have to live up to it. And that's the thought process, you know, even that's something I'm tired all the time. <laughs> oh, it's even something as mundane as putting putting dear something on a letter pisses me mm. off. If anyone out there ever wants me on a podcast. If you excuse me, too much, too much energy. Um, if any of you ever want me on a podcast, if you ever message me with 
dear the challenge or dear Adam, I won't read your message. I'm deleting it immediately. Because that is no want to for that person to be there. That is no your your that level of professionalism isn't needed. Not if you're talking to me in terms of mental health. That's not what it's about. That lack of connection, that complete dear blah 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 blah. That's a fucking um, debt letter. That isn't anything else. The idea. That's why of, I have anxiety all the time because I'm like, how do people want me to live? I just want to like, like I would just like want to make a connection, and that would be by being myself and not being super formal and. It's the reason that despite the fact that I never wish to be a counsellor, I am training in it because I want to understand the nonsense that comes with it because the same nonsense comes with it. Um, I do not get on well with um, with talking therapies because I've read the same shit that they have. And so I'm like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. great, but I'm just going to use the same bullshit that you do against me. So no, um, it's much better if I have a chat with someone because they're not going to treat me like that. That's why I react differently in certain ways the amount of people that don't want to talk to their therapist or their counselor because they're not built up any trust and mm-hmm. trust comes when you treat that person like a human being not like a fucking client and i goddamn hate that term service user or client is the immediate thing that is used by every counselor and therapist what about just adam anna whoever it is that's coming in why service user why client fuck that because that's that's the problem. How are you going to build up a trust with anybody when all they are to you is a client? That idea of a professionalism, and I, you know, this is where I would have um, personally a field day with the ethics boards of pretty much anywhere. Um, I think they are the problem. I think ethics boards half the time are the problem. Not in their research. Research obviously has a different way of doing things. But in terms of interactions, I think when you have to keep the standard of not having a connection, that is the fucking problem. When you don't have that connection, when you Mm. have to be just this separate thing, this voice of authority, which for most people you're seeing is probably the same bullshit they've had in different terms their entire fucking life. And you're imposing it, but giving them a different set of rules to now follow. You're not doing anything. You're not interacting with them because you're not getting what you need to have them because they don't trust you. They don't want to act against you. They see you as authority and they need to act within it. It's the same nonsense, just a different act of authority. So I have a massive issue with, with that as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, so much of different ways, though, of where like counselors who are that formal way of handling things. And then those who are like, it's it's just like more conversational. Like, it just kind of feels like a one sided friendship <laughs> where I finally get to talk about myself and not have to worry about the other person in in the formal settings. But then you could do that with anyone. No, because then I'm constantly worried. See, this is why this is my favorite thing about therapy is I get to make it about me for once. And <laughs> I get to just talk because I'm constantly as a people pleaser. Like if I'm talking to a friend, if I was only ever talking about myself all the time, I would be a bad friend. Like if I never reciprocate and let them talk to me and help them with their problems, um, emotionally checking in with them, making sure I'm not like dumping on them when they're not in a good place to handle it. But like with a counselor, I'm paying them to do that. And so I can just. It's been so freeing for me. <laughs> but then I see I have the same I have the same issues in that form of counseling than I do with for, uh, with um, traditional podcasting because it's an interview. It, it doesn't eke out as much. And of course, you know, different people interact in different ways. And that's something I always say is, you know, I do not interact well with talking therapies. Never have done because of the way they they are. And I've tried several fucking God knows how many. Um, it's not 
it's just not for me um, I, I use physical therapy and music therapy and things like that um and you know that's half the creation of my charity um but m- my issue is always that i can't i don't think it's as easy to develop something out of someone or understand some um someone's point of view or even think about something if you can't interact with them and a counselor just sits there and lets you talk then it, it becomes a kind of finally looking for that one thing whereas actually there could have been something else you mentioned half an hour ago that if you just had bothered to know the person and talk about it may have been the actual thing that was the problem but you're looking for that you know you're you're the security in a supermarket looking for the big guy with the long coat rather than looking at the granny that just put something up her jumper so it, that's the problem for me that you're not actually trying to interact fully I think I've just lucked out and having really good counselors that were perfect it is, for it's, me because they like would call me out on stuff when like on my people pleasing and they would call me out on course, like, you know, and my apologizing exactly what you're doing. Is like, <laughs> as I say, as I say, for you, you are someone that, that, that clearly benefits from that. And again, um, you know, I, I would say that I personally do not do that. I would stand on, I would die on the hill about my, thoughts on kindness and on turning on your light and various other things I've said before I wouldn't do in interactions with therapists because I believe in the things before are true just full stop however with therapy it's true depending on the person yeah so that that's different things for different people and that's what you know I always say which sounds so ridiculous a statement but I'll make I, I, I make it is what works for you works for you which sounds so ridiculous but it, it's true if it works for you it works for you as long as it is not harming you financially destroying you or anything else it's fine it's why I have a, an issue with certain certain things that um that have no evidential basis to them whatsoever that people are frauded out of massive amounts of money those are not the same mm. however if you have something that i do not believe in in any way um and doesn't necessarily have a scientific evidentiary basis however is not causing you any financial issue is not making you feel um bad about yourself or anything like that cool absolutely fine i think people always misunderstand that about me because they always just kind of mm. yeah but you always have a go at this but no no i have a go at this if it's making you feel worse mm. and yeah. causing you financial problems if it's doing it for free or the same price as your normal counsellor and you're coming out feeling good too, fine. Cool, it's working for you. In the same way that I'll go for a run in the same hour that you'll go to your therapist. You know, it's it's if I was going for a run and then having a um, paying a PT hundreds of pounds or dollars or whatever every session and I was standing exactly the same and I was coming out of it feeling shit and injuring myself, I'd want to be held up as the same issue. So I think that that's it. You know, there's certain things I would die on the, um, die on the hill for, such as the idea of um, I don't believe in kindness. I, um, I, you know, I think the idea of selfishness in some way is right um, because I think it is non-selfish in, in its um, origins. But the ways in which counsellors interact, that is dependent on you and how you do things. Um, and it's very different for everybody. I do not like it. And I do not like the way in which they do certain things because I don't think it's right. But I'm coming from the the starting point of disliking it. And that's that's the issue. That's why I work better for some people than than you would. And you work better for some people than I would. And it's also the reason I wouldn't ever be a counsellor, because I wouldn't want to do that. But I still 
I will still um, point on to the idea that I still don't like professionalism because even if you've got that professional standard with a counsellor, I think the problem starts when they're professional. And I think even if you're going, oh, they're not a friend, I think that can be done without having to be so closed off because I think what actually happens, and this is where I will die on the hill, I think what actually uh, what actually happens is when they are massively professional, as I say, they're replacing one authority figure for another. I think there's a way in which you can be professional without being professional. You know, when you go into an office, for instance, of admin officers, then some of them will be set up straight in suits and ties and, you know, typing away. And that's they're the issue. The person that occasionally wears a jumper in the office and that will talk to someone like a human being, they're still professional, but they're not being professional. There's a difference. Yeah. And that's that's the that's the bit in which I will die on the hill for. But the change in how someone is, you know, if they'll talk to you like a normal person, they'll know who you are. They won't call you a client. They'll, you know, simple little things because they break down the barrier of you just needing to replace an authority figure. Because if all you've done is gone from authority figure to authority figure, that's all you're doing. You'll, you'll never come out of it because they're keeping you there. They're keeping you in that loop of authority. Um, I mean, I used to work in an office um, at a university. And um, I am not the person that does authority or professionalism that well in those terms. So I would, you know, wear jeans and um, jeans and a jumper in the office. And I once had a student come in and wanted to deal with things. And he was being relatively problematic for a lot of them. But of course, the way they interacted with him, he just got more annoyed with it because it was just a brick wall to him. And my response, because he was with his girlfriend, was, can you slap him because I'm not allowed? (laughs) <laughs> the second I did that, he's went, yeah, all right, sorry, mate. Yeah, 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 okay, fine. How can we deal with it? <laughs> it was just treating him like a person for a split second. Now, I'm not saying that's the way you should treat everyone and you should do that, but just knowing that for that split second, if I went into, well, I'm very sorry, we can't do you know, that's not going to help them. Actually going, right, well, you're being a dick, so it's not a good idea to do it. You, but you actually seem like you'd be okay. You, you're going to be helpful to me right now to his girlfriend. You know, and that was it. Immediately it broke it. And I never had a complaint from any student. In fact, within four months of being there, I was put up for an award that was given to the students to staff every single year I was there because I had that interaction. And that's the difference for me is not replacing authority with authority. So that's the difference. Therapy can work fine. And you've been very lucky in having the therapy and you like um, the way that that therapy is. But that's the difference for me. It's that. And then the bit I die on the hill for is the don't be massively um, professional because professionalism just means authority. And it's another way of a neurotypical keeping hold of neurodivergence. Yeah, <laughs> I'm loving you're doing the clicks and no one's going to be able to hear that. <laughs> it was, that was just me. Anyone on YouTube's going, oh, yeah, she's clicking like on um, Legally Blonde. Oh. Everyone on Amazon, Amazon Music or Spotify is going, that was just fucking silence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's, I mean, what's the, what's the next step? Is there a next step for you? Because I mean, as I say, we, we have this, the, the same, the same um, journey with, with different paths in that when I explain myself there, you agreed with me. Um, the original explanation, you it didn't because I didn't explain it properly, um, which can be, a, can be an issue for neurodivergence anyway, because 
fucking explaining something that's in your head and makes sense. <laughs> my heart. Yeah, yeah. So my, my nickname at university, um, so Simeon, Sim, this is your fault for giving me this fucking nickname. I was called He Who Cannot Explain. <laughs> because I think this is, this is the case where I would say a vast majority of people in neurodivergence, it makes sense in our heads, so why the fuck doesn't oh. make sense? yours yeah 100 percent. and i think that's why i end up with so many analogies and i've got used to making mm. them up on the on the on the fly is because i i need a way of explaining it to someone that's not in my head because why can't yeah. you just see what i see why isn't that just fucking obvious you know i'm saying a word uh, i'd say a word and they'd be like well i've not heard of that word i'm like but the explanation of that word is that word what the fuck are you about like that's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what it means that's just the word you know um so yeah. that's why i was just sitting here listening because i knew if i just let you talk long enough i'd eventually understand <laughs> <laughs> um and you didn't do it in, a, in, a, in a, an authoritative way so you're fine um but, it, <laughs> but you know so we, i mean there is a, a lot of as i say there's a lot of crossover in the way that we think and the way we go forward and i've seen you kind of nodding and maybe some sparks of realization or at least understanding of what i said a couple of times i've seen as, a, as we've been chatting um, so I think we we do overlap on a lot of it, but we come at it from very different ways because yeah. that's needed. Um, even even in terms of writing, I mean, I've written um, mm. a few books, I've just not actually released them yet. Um, but is there something kind of next for you? I, I obviously you had the coaching course that you wanted to um, you wanted to launch, and I notice it is still pending on your website. So oh, actually, that's because I launched it, got no clients, and then. <laughs> And decided I want to make some changes. Um, and so I've been, I just recently finally took it down because I saw I needed to edit some things anyways. And I was like, eh, I, I don't have time anyways. So I'm not going to change it. I'll just wait. To... Is, that the, is, is that kind of the, the final thing? Or is there something else? Or is all of this just going to be you finally going, you know what? I just need to figure myself out. What the fuck am I doing helping everyone else? I'll just take six months off like I did. Kind of in a place of figuring things out, and I'm honestly really proud of myself for coming on this podcast because I actually had been putting off others because I wanted to like know, like have some sort of direction, one for like business strategy, you know. So I actually have something to say, like, oh, this is what who I am and what I do, and go check it out. But um, and part of it was just, I guess, just uh, you know, just the part of myself that just feels like I need to know what I'm doing next. Um, but I decided like, Hey, like, it's okay. This is, we all go through those phases and got to take some time to figure out, like I said, with the room analogy of like, I'm taking things out, um, Mm. kind of like going through some weird personal development phases of like rooting through some past things and some difficult things that just kind of make the depression worse right now. Um, but I know it's going to be worth it. Um, what am I doing? So right now I'm, I'm actually getting paid for an art commission, but once that's done, I'm hoping to finally come back to creating more content for YouTube. Um, and my blog, I'm wanting to kind of rethink things with coaching. Um, I'm kind of in this place right now where I'm trying to assess, is this just imposter syndrome and like, I just need to get in the experience, just practice and figure things out along the way. Or do I need to pivot to where my strengths already are? Um, 
so just kind of figuring that out in myself. Um, I'm also, I finished some training in the Jungian cognitive types, which is kind of like Myers-Briggs coming from Carl Jung's work, but it's different. Um, and working on getting enough practice sessions where I feel comfortable to offer up personality profiling sessions as a service, um, both as like a standalone or add on with coaching if I continue to do that. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a weird place because I had such a clear direction before, but now I'm just kind of rethinking everything. <laughs> so th- this would be a question then. So does it feel, although nerves, anxiety, everything else is there, does it feel good to not have that plan anymore? I hate it. So I'll share a little part of my journey too with like, so I'm a very, I'm very much a planner. I'm a structured person. And so like when I was going through that phase of just like, I can't do anything because I'm really depressed and exhausted all the time. um, That was really hard for me. And I spent like a year, I think, or more intentionally, like not planning anything for my blog or YouTube, but just like if inspiration comes then I'll do it. And just like, if I need a nap, I will take it. I will listen to my body. I will play a video game. I will do and so hard for me because I can't just do things for myself. Um, and even like with some of my hobbies, like I have to be doing like I can't I can't just draw art because I enjoy it. I have to do it for someone else. And so like I took a year trying to just get myself to do things for me and listen to my body. And so now I've come to a place where I'm, I'm wanting to start adding back in some structure and getting some direction. So I know like where to start stepping in directionally. Um, And it's frustrating, but I'm trying. So like, I'm, yeah. So do you think do you think you'd have got to that point without having this interlude of not knowing though? Because obviously you you've in, you know you need that planning, you need that thing, everything else. But do you think that that would have just condensed you more and more and more and just eventually broken you quicker than potentially mm-hmm. there is a break coming? Um, and I'll, I'll say that to, to people in general is that much as you may want to avoid a break, sometimes it can be inevitable. It's just making sure you have the yeah. structures around you to make sure that when you break, there's someone there to make sure that you don't fall apart. Um, but do you think that break could have come quicker or harsher if you'd have carried on the way you were doing and said this is potentially needed? Or do you think that this is the thing that's causing it to be worse? Uh, I mean, I did break down, <laughs> so that's why I started. I mean, I, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, in terms of because you were saying that this this year, for instance, is get has been yeah. worse, and mm. so there's there's breakdown, but then there's the there's you know what you've been saying about this year is is getting uh, has been a a tough one, and so do you think the way of the idea, for instance, of coming onto this podcast? Because anyone that doesn't know about this this podcast, um, you may not know, uh, you may think that. Um, I ha- give everyone a lovely um, load of questions, everything else. I don't. <laughs> we just start talking. Um, there is no basis for these um, podcasts in, in terms of um, what we're going to talk about. 
I may say the area that I want to talk about. Um, so journey in mental health, but that could be fucking anything. So these podcasts are not this, you know, I will give an idea of like, this is kind of what we're going. And as many of you know, if anyone's still listening, firstly, cookie, reward yourself. But also, (laughs) (laughs) but also, you know, this is, you know, we, I don't want it to be structured like that. So was, was that part of it that you thought I need to do this because it is the opposite of me? Um, Like you say, you've said no to other structured podcasts, but for mine, which is the most unstructured podcast you could possibly come on, <laughs> was that the reason that it, you thought actually this might be helpful? This podcast specifically? Well, this podcast as opposed to, <laughs> no. So these podcasts as opposed to other things that you've been doing in the same way that you started mm-hmm. to, you know, not have that structure. Has that been part of it? And this podcast merely as an example of one of those things that you've been doing that doesn't have the same structure Hmm. do you think that's been helpful or you know I've been trying to push myself I kind of started with I don't remember if I said it on here or before we started recording but with YouTube just because I usually my videos are really scripted and really planned out and so I've tried to work on just speaking from my head um (laughs) and I yeah trying to push myself, trying to not die from my perfectionism. And because when you can't prepare, a lot more quote unquote mistakes can happen. And okay, so actually, if I may say, it was really cool because I was finally going to record a video for my own channel about my mental health journey. Mm. But as I was thinking it through, um, cause this one, I was going to not have super scripted. I just wanted to write down some points. So I was somewhat in chronological order. Um, I just started getting really anxious at the thought of like being that vulnerable. Cause like I've shared things like little pieces. I've shared things with, you know, my closest friends, but I hadn't really shared in depth that whole story, um, publicly. And I started getting really anxious about that. And I had that thought of like, well, maybe if I can conversationally do this, that might help me to get talking. Because again, like if I talk to someone one-on-one, it's like, I'll share almost anything. Um, And so, and then you messaged me saying, hey, I have a spot open for this podcast. Do you want to share about your mental health journey? I was like, what? I literally was just wanting to find something like that. And there you appeared. Hmm. So So thanks. (laughs) So, okay, so in a roundabout way, you kind of answered that. And Did I not answer the question? <laughs> same way as I'd have done it. Um, basi- no divergence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So basically, it was part of the reason that's, that's helped you then. This way of doing things, and not necessarily this podcast in general, mm. but just the idea of not having a, a structure has meant that you've had to do things in a way that you can then refine refine although I dislike that terminology, but it's the nearest I can think of. Refine it when you're more in your, kind of, yeah, more in your <laughs> perfectionist mode. You can kind of, you know, you can make sure that the lines are fully filled in and the edges are cut off when you go back to your more perfectionist mm. ideal. Yeah. So it is that kind of idea of stepping out of yourself. Um, that doesn't mean I'm going to suddenly be kind, by the way, anyone. That doesn't mean I'm going to suddenly step out myself and be the different way it's going to happen. Um, but I, it does suggest that maybe, you know, we need to step away from what we believe to be the norm sometimes, no matter mm. what it is, because yeah. 
in some way, we've all been indoctrinated into doing something or acting a certain way in whatever way it is. And so stepping away from it sometimes is going to be helpful to us because if nothing else, we can see the bullshit that we've just been doing, mm-hmm. acting, um, everything else, because we can go, oh, fuck. It's that it's that saying of like the person that's watching the game sees more of it. Um, and that that's the problem. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you don't you don't know what's happening in the moment. Um, I, go on. I, I shared about this in my YouTube video about like the. I I have this tradition of choosing a word to kind of like be the overarching theme of my year or something I want to remind myself of. And so I spoke about this in my video, but. Um, you cheated with two words one year, but yeah. Oh, is that this year? Okay. Actually, this was two or three years ago that I did this. I don't know time. Um, <laughs> but I, I chose make mistakes and um, I purposely tried to make mistakes. And. <laughs> um. And like I, I would even record them. So like everything that I'm totally afraid of, because I'm you know a perfectionist and I don't want to make mistakes. And I recorded them. And like as I was recording them, I often would realize like, wait, is this even like a mistake to be able to, like enough to record it down and like that like just trying to go to that opposite extreme um, was helpful. See, I, I would I would uh, challenge you to to use one Uh-oh. word. Um, I would challenge you to have uh, the word of the year to be me. You? No, me. So every time you do something, you have to think about yourself first. No matter what it is, you have to. Do that that be you. your words, because then in any action you do, whether it's to make a mistake or to be perfectionist, you have to underline as to what it's for. Is it for mm-hmm. someone else? Or is that act for someone else still rooted in you? If it is, Cool, great. It's the right decision. That's super it? uncomfy. It is. <laughs> Which probably means I need to do it. But the things that are, things that are things that are comfy would mean that we all live in a in a, in a world of daydreams and neurotypicals, but mm. we can't because we're not. But I would say that if you have me, your idea of yourself as being at the basis of everything, and you force yourself in some way to have that. I would argue that as much as it may be uncomfortable at first, you will start to realize that actually it makes way more sense for you. And things will just become generally more flowing because of the fact that they would become second nature. Because at the moment, your automatic response to most things that you want to do is how they're going to go wrong so that you can make sure that they don't go wrong and how they're going to affect others. Whereas if you immediately see how it's going to affect you and how you're going to be able to do it, well, you're always at the basis anyway, so it doesn't matter. So that would be my challenge to to use that as your word of the year for some point. Um, see, I do my research. I've seen your videos. I know what your word of the year is. Crap. And <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was entering a therapy session here. <laughs> the amount of people that do that, I'm like, I will never do that. Um, but yeah, so I, 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 yeah, I generally use that as your word of the year, and that goes out to everyone out there, especially for the, the people pleasers and perfectionists. Put put me at the um you you I whatever you want to think of it <laughs> as the basis of your year, so that every decision is based on that. Because you'll have somebody that go, oh yeah, but that just means I'm being selfish and narcissistic all the time. No, it doesn't. Firstly, almost no no one on the fucking planet understands the word narcissism. Uh, your ex wasn't a narcissist for like ninety nine percent of you out there. No, they weren't. No, no, they were a complete twat. They weren't narcissists. Um, narcissists aren't nasty people just because they're narcissists in the same way psychopaths and sociopaths 
also are not complete nasty people just for the fact of being sociopaths and psychopaths. It's not how it works. Um, but if you have yourself as the basis of it, you can love your partner and everybody else and your kids just as much. They are a part of you. And you know what? Guess what makes guess what makes you happy? Them being fucking happy. So it always loops back as a continuing function. So you being at the basis of everything, the idea of I or me being at the basis of everything is always going to be rewarding. So I, I, I would argue that everybody should have that as their word of the year and see what happens. Um, I think we're coming to the end. There. Is that <laughs> shake of the head? Come on. Come on. Say the words. Say the words. Anna. I keep nodding my head. and I'm like, oh, if they're just listening, they can't see this. <laughs> um, I was Give my to... approval. <laughs> um so i was gonna uh, as i said i think we've kind of gone over a lot of things there was there anything that you don't think we've we've covered that we we could have done anything that i've spoken over you or anything at all that you're just like you know what we should i should say something on this before we finish up if there was my little neurodivergent brain has forgotten <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, so for anyone out there, um, obviously, as you said, we're, we're looking at this from two different parts, and uh, you might have found that you've already heard my voice more there, um, but um, I'm going to argue it's just because it's deeper. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we come at this from two different parts. It doesn't mean we disagree, although there are certain, certainly things we do disagree on. That doesn't mean either of us is particularly wrong, because most of this is um, based in someone's own neurodivergence or in someone's own head, as it should be. Um, so it's just how you interact with that. Um, you don't have to agree with everything from what ev from one person says. So many people will go onto Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, wherever, and have to worship someone. And then the second mm. there's something they disagree with, suddenly their identity falls apart. That's not how it needs to play out. You can agree with different people on different things at different times. And you can see a future for yourself, not just by one way of thinking. You can be vulnerable one minute and then angry the next. They're not mutually exclusive. So when you're trying to go through a journey, don't think that you have to go down one line there are there may be two paths there may be three there may be four there may be infinite ones you have the idea of googleplex and google for a reason that's how many um, of those roads there may be take whichever one you need at whichever point um thank you again anna for being with me uh again anyone that stayed for the entire thing again go get yourself a second cookie from the last time i told you because you deserve it um next time round, anna cookie there you go um next time round, i think we have um i believe is muffins uh we're gonna be talking about um creativity and art into mental health um hopefully that's the one that comes uh, that comes up next uh but until next time everyone thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you again thanks everyone <laughs>